Hi, welcome to Death and Desserts, where we discuss the dark, disturbing, and beautiful elements of death whilst eating dessert. I'm Sana. And I'm Zaria. Today we are discussing Eastern European death customs. And today our dessert is Ukrainian apple sponge. If you would like to see what we're eating, check out our Instagram at Death and Desserts Podcast, where we won't tag the bakery because we made it in my kitchen. It's good. Is it okay? Oh, I'm scared. Thank God. I was worried about the look on your face. I was like, if this is disgusting. No, it's so good. It's better than my apple pie. I mean, it had five eggs in it. Mm, so good. What the? This is a deceitful little dish, man. Because it doesn't look like it would taste this good, but it fucking does. It's so simple. It was flour, eggs, sugar, a shit ton of apples, and some cinnamon and butter. That was it. That was it. I'm into it. It's so good. So, I get to do the death trivia for once. I have been waiting since we started <laughs> to to talk about this. This topic, especially. This, yeah. And it has nothing to do with the subject matter itself. I just was delighted to find out that there is a word for throwing someone out a window. So today we're talking about the defenestrations of Prague. Turns out there's more than one. There's three. So, basically, defenestration, it's like medieval lynching. Mm. This is not the only time in medieval history that it's happened, or the only place. But it's the one that I heard about and Googled when I heard the word defenestration. (laughs) So, on July 30th, 1419, two council members refused to give up their Hussite prisoners, so a Protestant mob came and threw them a judge and a burgermeister, which is basically a magistrate, out the window. And they died. (laughs) Uh, This defenestration was led by Hussite priest Jan Zalewski. Basically, all three of these defenestrations are Protestants versus Catholics. This is almost always a religious power move. And they throw them out the window. They throw them out the window. Could it be any window? Is it have to any be a window, window where you're going to die? The windows of their offices. Mm. They basically, basically like it was their own January 6th. <laughs> except they actually <laughs> accomplished something. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it was, so they, they stormed the, the offices of the magistrates or the councilmen and run up to their offices and throw them out the window. That'll do it. It'll do it. Sometimes. Mm. September 24th, 1483, seven of the new town councilors and their old town magistrate got thrown out the window by the party of the communion of both sides. I don't know what that is, but it has something to do with religion, obviously, because communion's in there. Both sides. Maybe a Protestant. I got nothing. And this defenestration resulted in limiting the power of the ruling class and giving some of the power back to the Hussite church. Okay. And then the most famous one happened May 23rd, 1618. The Protestant townspeople threw two Catholic counts and a secretary out the window for trying to force their religion on everyone. 
All three of them survived this defenestration. Catholics say it's because angels caught them and they saw the Virgin Mary at the time of them flying out the window. And the Protestants say it's because it was just the third floor and they landed on a pile of shit. <laughs> so how can we make this come back and how can we use it in America to get things going to the I right know, way? right? I have no idea. Mm. We should definitely look into that. <laughs> so that is my death trivia, the defenestrations of Prague. I love it. And I learned a new word. Right? <laughs> I love that word. I don't know why. All right, so let's start in the Baltic nations with Estonia. So how familiar were you with Eastern Europe when we started this research? Not very. Me neither. You know, it's the typical American thing where you think you know more and then you dig deeper and you're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I was having a hard time even with the geography. I'm, Same. I started looking and I'm like, I'm way dumber than I thought. Yeah. So, when I was doing Estonia, it seemed to me like the customs regarding the funerals were steeped more in folklore and tradition rather than religion as much. It's not that religion doesn't inform it. It's just that it seemed like I was bumping into a lot of superstition. Okay. So, family and culture informed the customs, not necessarily religion. The first thing I read was that the contact between the family and the deceased is necessary not only for aiding the departed, but also to kind of keep the closeness with the body so that the surviving members can kind of be part of the cycle of life and death. It kind of would help them to remove the fear of death. Of course, some of our research, I couldn't tell how modern it was or Mm. if it was still practiced, but... To that end, the family are the ones that wash and prepare the body. And it said that they can hire non-related washers to wash the bodies. They also make sure that the eyes and mouth are shut to ward off bad omens for the remaining family members. This sounds exactly like some of the stuff from the, for the countries that I had, too. I know that we're going to overlap a lot. Oh, a lot, a lot, a lot. The thing that stood out to me with Estonia was that... The deceased, if they're able to, will pick out their clothes beforehand. So, you know, they've got their chosen outfit all picked out. Although it was my impression that that's kind of fallen out of practice and not as current. Hmm. In older times, when they did do the picking out of their own clothes or whatever, the clothes that they would pick would have to be warm. They'd have to have really comfy shoes, scarves, hats, all of that. And... The clothing had to be completely free of knots because the superstition was that if the clothes were knotted in any way, it would kind of inhibit the spirit to go on the journey. Interesting. I found that was really cool. And so if the clothes aren't suitable, the departed will supposedly visit the remaining family members until they fix their clothes and, like, let them move on. That's interesting. So, and I know that we're going to discuss this later because of Eastern Europe's obsession with vampires. But it's in folklore that vampires have to untie knots. I didn't know that. Or tie them. Yeah, like you can distract a vampire by throwing seeds on the ground because they have to count it. Or if there's string, they either have to knot it or they have to unknot it. You think they, they would think the, the ghosts are staying around because they're trying to unknot their clothes because they have to. It doesn't trap them or something. It mm-hmm. just traps them compulsively. That would make sense. 
Also, I read that when it comes to the burial, that the attendees are supposed to drive fast and take winding roads so the spirit can't, like, follow them back out and haunt them. Huh. So that has to be at least a little modern. For driving, for right? Driving. That's what I thought. And family members won't dig the graves. And like a lot of other places, they will place coins inside the casket. But also, they can't cry tears into the casket because that will supposedly make death come for them, too. I, yeah. I know you I read, into that. I came across that, too. It's crazy. They'll eat pastries and breads at the cemetery and then save some of that for the deceased, but also leave all the leftovers there. They won't take the leftovers back with them. Because it's been in a cemetery and therefore unclean. Well, yeah. You don't want death to follow you back for right. more leftovers, I reckon. I guess. I wonder if there's like a huge crow population in Estonia. <laughs> or like raccoons or something. As a side note, like more than half of the population of Estonia identifies as non-religious. And of the people polled, like 15% of the ones that were religious claimed that religion did not play a significant part of their life. Hmm. So maybe that's why that they fall back into more what we would consider more paganist superstitious stuff. Hmm, maybe. Maybe. And that's what I got for Estonia. Awesome. Alright, so we are gonna go just beneath Estonia into Latvia, where I cannot pronounce anything that I wrote down. Velu Vakaru, maybe? Anyway, there's a few names for this holiday. And it can be called the Night of Souls, the Night of Stars, or my favorite, Laundry Night. Laundry Night? It's called Laundry Night because not only are they showing gratitude towards their ancestors, they're also showing gratitude for the existence of linen. Like the plant that linen comes from and everything. And everyone, it's like a big communal celebration And everyone brings their best linen tablecloths to put on the very large feasting tables. So it's called laundry night because they, and you know, everybody wears their best clothes and stuff like that. It is at the end of October, so it's going to be cold in Latvia at that time. And, oh, October is considered the month of astral bodies in Latvia. And so basically the celebration is a lot like Dia de los Muertos. It's remembering and commemorating and talking about ancestors and stuff like that. Or those who have gone to live in the sun. Does that not sound pagan as fuck? (laughs) I love that. I love it. On the altars and the tables, there are pumpkins and apples and candles. And that's just like, check, check, check. Like, I love the whole, yeah, the whole thing. Songs are sung and riddles are solved. People will tell riddles and then other people solve them. I've never heard of that in a celebration before. That's something fun that they do and I love that. They dance specific dances. One of them is called the Maras Zem. And so yeah, that's a fun little celebration of the dead that they do every year. In Latvia, cremation isn't really a big thing. I mean, it's not taboo or anything, but they just don't do it. And therefore, there's only one crematorium in the whole country, and it's in Riga. Embalming is uncommon. Usually, from what I understand, like, everybody across the board in Eastern Europe is pretty much buried the same day if they can help it. Mm -hmm. Which is probably why embalming is completely unnecessary. 
But there is no time limit for burial. You can do it whenever. It's just most people tend to do it the day of or the next day. The Ophicaeums of the dead, or officiums, I'm not really sure how that's pronounced, are usually said at home without a priest and in the native tongue instead of Latin or Greek or whatever it is Eastern Orthodox people do. In Latgal, which is a rural area or town. Most of the people die at home, so the body remains in the house until the funeral, and it's kept in a clean, cool place. Like, And this is why I thought it was ancient, uh, like the veranda or the granary. Nobody has a granary. They might. Maybe. I mean, it's rural. They don't, you know, maybe they still have granaries in their homes. I don't know. So the funeral might be a couple days off, so... The living prepare for the morning ceremony, including performing the Afakayam every evening. In the old days, the performance took place every night, but now they pretty much just do it the last night or the last two nights before the funeral. Members of the household, relatives, and friends of the deceased come together and conduct the Afakayam prayer. The table, just, you know, regular kitchen table or whatever is set up and they put linens on it and put you on that and then the singers sit around that and sing lamentations and then a pinch of salt and a piece of dark rye bread is placed next to the crucifix and candles and these are symbols of the spirit of the house and for a second there when I was reading this I was like are they sin eaters are they gonna eat but I guess it's not the same thing. (laughs) And then they do all this again, except for without the body, a year after the death, commemorating an annual memorial service. Okay. And do-do-do. Looks like that's all I've got for Latvia. Okay, with Lithuania, I did write a few ancient customs because I liked them, and then I transferred it into the more modern stuff. So, in ancient Lithuanian custom, death was way more naturalized and way less taboo. So, you know, children would help care for the sick and dying and help in all the preparations, and they would have the three-day wakes, like you've just mentioned, in the, the home of the deceased. And in, at least in southern Lithuania, women would bring loaves of bread to beggars in exchange for prayers for the deceased soul. Okay. So I thought that was really cool. This is also where we have professional mourning from women that would chant and pray and sing and, you know, they would pay them to wait. I also ran into professional mourners. Right. <laughs> Side note, we've got a button for that. <laughs> <laughs> we do. <clears throat> now, in modern Lithuania, most of the service now follows Catholic tradition because, like, 80% of the population is Catholic. Not so, Eastern Orthodox, but Catholic Catholic. Yeah, Catholic Catholic. So, funeral homes are rented out. They can be rented out for several days where the first day is kind of dedicated to the presentation of the body and all the people that knew the deceased will come for the final look and then for a few minutes and then the close family and friends will be there for hours and then that's what everybody brings wreaths and flowers and pass on their condolences and now though instead of professional mourners and weeping they will have you know christian singers singing hymns and christian carols and right they've replaced the weeps with that so the last day of the funeral is where the priest will visit and the closest relatives will have their last goodbyes and like take turns kissing the deceased and touching them and in the smaller villages the procession will follow the hearse by foot to the burial area 
and they will bring all the wreaths and flowers that they collected and put up a wooden cross. And then I read that a year after that is when they'll get the permanent tombstone, but it's just like a simple wooden cross for the first year. Okay. And then they sing more Christian hymns. And then every year on the death anniversary, as is the case with a lot of this, they'll do the Holy Mass and have a the grief dinner repeated every year. Cremation isn't taboo or illegal in any way. It's just really rare. The first crematorium in Lithuania was built in 2011. Oh, wow. <laughs> so recent. Yeah. And that's all I've got for Lithuania. Awesome. Yeah, I'm noticing a lot of overlap. All right, we are going to skip way down right now. We're going to go to the Czech Republic because that was next on my list. With the, <laughs> here we go, ready? Den Vesech Sveti. Anyway, I'm not stumbling over this all night long. It's All Saints Day, which apparently is a big thing all over the place. Well, I mean, it stands to reason. There's, you know, so many Catholics. Everybody gathers to decorate and light candles in the cemetery. Cremation is actually quite common in the Czech Republic. I think they have the highest or second highest rate of cremation in Europe because they rent grave plots like the rest of Europe because of space issues. So they just skip all that and they cremate. You can put the ashes in a cemetery, keep them at home, spread them, whatever. It's anything goes with the ashes. Funeral dress code. It's very similar to the rest of the world, but it can be more lax. Like, as long as you're not wearing jeans, nobody really cares. It, it can be casual as long as it's black or dark blue. You know, as long as it's dark. Um, and the clothes have to be in good repair, but it doesn't have to be formal. One thing, though, that I was reading a blog from a woman that had moved to the Czech Republic. Very stress about clean shoes. Okay. You can only have dirty shoes when you're hiking or gardening. And if you're out and about in town or, and definitely if you're at a funeral or a wedding, your shoes must be clean. They will notice. They will judge. Clean your shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know, but they are kind of bananas about it. Okay. I mean... In Arabic countries, you take your shoes off before you go into a house, but that's almost anywhere, really. Yeah. Because, you Everywhere know, but America, pretty much. Right. I remember reading blogs of, from Europeans that are like, Americans, take your fucking shoes off. Really. But in the Czech Republic, maybe they don't take their shoes off. That's why they stress the fuck out about cleaning their shoes. I don't know. Hmm. And because this was the first country where I'd seen this... I didn't realize that it was going to be in every other country that I researched afterwards. But even numbers for flowers. All bouquets have to be an even number unless you choose just a single rose. But anywhere else in Europe, if you give someone bouquets for any other reason, they have to be odd numbers because even numbers are for funerals. Mm -hmm. I ran into that on one of mine. We'll talk about that. Okay. And I read... Funeral culture in Czech Republic is one of the worst and most boring in the world, according to many of those who work in the industry, with up to 70% of Czech funerals being held without any ceremony. I did double-check this. Everybody on Reddit also said 
their funerals are boring. They really don't bother. It, it's nothing like elaborate. They, they're just like, can we get this over with? Unless it was an old person that died of old age and then it's a slightly happier occasion. Okay. That makes sense in a way. Right? In Prague, they have the Kakoranum, which was founded by Blanca Dobasova, and they offer natural burials in Prague's Dublis Cemetery. This is a very new thing. I think, like, as of the 2000s or even later, they started doing this. But they have the Wood of Memories which is a forest where your ashes are buried and then a plaque with your name and your dates is put on the tree. I have a picture. I will be putting it in the show notes and the uh, the visual aid posts. As of the articles publishing, 350 individuals have had their ashes buried in the grove of trees. She got the idea when she was visiting England mm. and she saw natural burials there. And she went back to Prague and was like, hey, Prague, do you mind if we start doing this? And she had to pitch it. And they were like, yeah, okay, you can have this one spot. And, yeah. I love that. Yeah, me too. Yay, Czech Republic. All you. (laughs) Where am I going? I don't know. Where are you going? I think I'm hungry. So I found some ancient stuff. I don't like the more modern stuff. So I'm going to, again, start with the ancient stuff. So... I'll make this one quick. In ancient Hungary, they would bury the deceased in mine graves and more prosperous warriors, they'd bury them with utensils, jewelry, weapons, all of that. But here's the part I found remarkable that I wanted to talk about. They would also bury them with the skin, skull, and legs of a horse. I don't know why. I don't know if it's supposed to help. Just those parts. Just those parts. Presumably, they would serve the rest of the horse at the post-funeral gathering. Okay. Um, so they ate all that, but they so they put the skin in so that you could stuff it in I don't the know. afterlife with whatever. I don't know. So skin, legs, skull would go into the men's graves. Women didn't get horse parts unless, due to the loss of the man in her life or whatever, she was in a more leadership role, then she would get the horse parts too. I found that remarkable. Hmm. Um, but, again, with more modern times and the conversion to Christianity, most of the funeral traditions synced up to more Catholic funerals. The burial has to occur within 96 hours of the death certificate being issued, and ashes can be buried or scattered Cremation's totally cool, but if you are burying the ashes, they have designated areas for that, and if you're trying to spread it or bury it on private property, you have to have, like, written permission. Cremation is finally gaining in popularity, but like I said, Catholicism is the most popular religion, so a typical funeral follows Catholic tradition. During the burial, though, mourners will throw soil and handkerchiefs on the grave to represent their tears, and... They will apparently walk around the grave multiple times. I'm not sure what That's more. the first I've heard of that. Yeah, I haven't heard of that. I didn't see it anywhere else in any Me of my either. other countries. Interesting. And they, when they have the funeral feast, it's usually like shared the same thing. Paper, cash, meat, bread, wine. And they will set a place for the deceased. And like most of the other countries we are talking about, they also celebrate All Saints Day and all of that. I wonder if the grave circling thing has to do with vampires. Well, that's what I asked myself. 
<laughs> I bet it does. Somewhere, somehow. They might not have said, hey, this is because of vampires. Because every time or... I bumped into that, I was like, this isn't real. Except it totally is. I know. But I, I thought, no, there's no way. But at the same time, I have noticed they are really big on stressing the cyclical nature of life. So right. I could totally see that just being a, a representation of the circle of life is them circling the That would actually grave. make better sense. I don't know. I like the vampire theory. <laughs> <laughs> so Slovakia, when we were in elementary school, it was Czechoslovakia, right? Yeah. But now it's Czech Republic and Slovakia. And they are surprisingly different. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Not a lot. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, yeah, this is one of my favorites. Speaking of circles of life. So I didn't write it down, and I should have, but they keep certain parts of life very separate from being touched by the rest of life. Like, if you're giving birth, you are in a bed in a little alcove with a linen curtain cutting you off from the rest of the house so that you don't have to do any chores or anything like that it's just you and the baby and I don't even know how long that lasts I think like several weeks and there's also rituals and ceremonies that they do for a baby when they're born and introduced to the house and the family and stuff like that so I really wish I'd written that down because it has bearing on this when a person is dying they're laid on a bed of straw on the ground straw is a symbol of sunset and reconstitution of vegetation by dying the power which was received in the birthing ceremonies and baptism are then returned to the ground I love that I love that if I get sick sick I think I might do that (laughs) I might insist on being laid on the ground. I don't know. We'll see. You know, my kids aren't going to be able to deal with that. They're not. Slovak. I love that. That's very pagan. It's very pagan. It's very cool. Women called Plasiak are hired to mourn or they're related to the dead. And the ceremonial weeping recounts the achievements and characteristics of the deceased. I see lamentation all over the culture of Eastern Europe, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you did too. The vigil is held the night before the funeral where at least one person stays up with the body and I think they rotate people out. And after the funeral is a fast called car, which is believed to be attended by the soul of the dead. Like many countries, November 2nd, All Saints Day, celebrated by going to the cemetery and lighting candles and whatnot. I found something really awesome that I couldn't get into because you have to request the PDF from the author. And I did not have time, so I have the link. I'm going to provide it for everyone, and I can't wait to dive into it because it is called... Burial Customs and Superstitions About Death Among Slovaks in Stara Pazova. I gotta read that. I just gotta. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I'm looking forward to that. But that's all I've got on Slovakia. So, Poland was, at least historically, kind of similar to Lithuania. The dying process was kind of socially important for the family members to stay close and normalize that and have it be a more positive thing to be less fearful of death the deceased would be kept in the house for three days 
and they would say vigils and they would say the rosary. So in rural areas, that three-day wake is still kind of performed. I kind of backtracked into more traditional outdated things here because I couldn't distinguish if it's still done. But it is probably all of these ancient things are probably all still done somewhere in the rural areas right, of the countries. Right. So they would open the windows and doors to let the soul depart. And my favorite thing that I read was that they would put the seats upside down in the house because it would discourage the spirits of the deceased from to like just taking a seat. And, just taking a seat <laughs> and just hanging chilling. out. Just so that was a thing. They would also cover all the mirrors so that the spirits won't stay inside the mirror and haunt living. Okay. They had traditions like decorating the doors, ringing the bells to scare away evil spirits, and stopping all the clocks in the house at the exact time of death to mark the difference between your first period of life and then your second period of life doesn't require a clock anymore because it's your right. new cycle. And so, I guess, if you didn't stop the clock at the moment of death, it means that you're inviting the soul of the dead to stay there in your time in the realm. And, like, not move Ooh, on. Ooh, that's... That is pressure. I'm glad that, yeah, you know, do you it's like, so ingrained in their culture that they will actually think about it. Because that's the furthest thing from my mind. Right. Would be stopping a clock the second somebody took their last breath. I'd still be like, are they breathing? Well, I guess maybe it's not to be the nanosecond, but like... Well, still, I'd probably just be too busy crying. <laughs> what if you're... Sometimes American households have a lot of clocks. Are you like, oh, right? shit, go stop the microwave. Do you have to, clock. like, turn like, off your phone? Right. <laughs> questions, questions to have. So, currently, most of the ceremonies in Poland are heavily influenced by Polish Roman Catholic services even if the deceased themselves are atheists. Oh, that's kind of shitty. <laughs> but slowly, it, this article said the attitudes around that are starting to change a little bit, where people will fit the ceremonies to themselves rather than themselves to being in a traditional ceremony. So tradition, like I said earlier, kind of varies whether it's urban or more rural. A cool fact about Poland, they have a funeral allowance which is paid out by the state insurance. So it's like a branch of the social insurance. So you can pay in to a funeral insurance and have that benefit paid when you die. So that's, that's cool. Good. Like we, we can't even get socialized health care. You think we get socialized funerals? Right. That's never happening. <laughs> My husband's uncle just passed away yesterday. And we're all scrambling to find the funds. Mm-hmm for all his afterlife expenses. And he had some insurance, but apparently it's going to take more than that. Funeral industry complex. Yep, this is why I won't be participating in that when I die. <laughs> Same. So, with Poland, the deceased is brought from the morgue to the church or from the morgue to the secular communal cemetery or whatever, special denomination cemetery. And then once at the cemetery, the custom of burial is going to be the same no matter what with tossing the soil in. And they have a cross or a nameplate at the top. And then the wreaths and flowers, same thing as hungry. For the post-funeral gathering to eat, they will typically eat porridge along with honey and vodka. And it had a note about 
for funeral wear. People over 18 will typically wear black. Children can do the same, but usually they just pin black ribbons on the children. Mm. And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cremation is okay, but you can't spread the ashes in any way. Because, and that's typical of most Catholic churches, the ashes are not supposed to be spread because that's way too close. Like if you're spreading it in water or if you're spreading it in land or whatever, that's reminiscent, at least to the Catholic teaching of pantheism or like paganism. It's a little bit too... Because it's returning back to nature instead of going to God. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So bodily remains are not private property of relatives, but property of God and spreading the remains is thought to contribute to individualistic thinking. So no spreading ashes. So I got another anecdote about that. Yeah? Yeah. My sister-in-law has had a different mother than my husband, Mm -hmm. who she recently passed away. Her aunt and uncle got the ashes. Her aunt kept the urn in Kentucky. Her uncle got the ashes and spread them and then was like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you and your brother might want your mother's ashes. I would have slapped the shit out of him. That's terrible. That is so terrible. So that's actually a, a case for not spreading ashes. You know? yeah, right? <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same thing in um, some Catholicism, is that you don't separate them, too. Right. Yeah, you don't separate them, don't... Yeah, none of that. <laughs> it's like At least in your story, that makes sense. Right? Or they could have at least just given a portion... Like, she got... I think she got the box... Yeah. The crematorium box, not the urn, because that's up in Kentucky. Right. But she got the box with a minuscule amount of her mother's ashes left that she now has to divide with her brother. That's sad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is, and I don't mean to laugh. My father was a very large man. You know this. My father was like six foot eight, 350 pounds, shoulders size of, I mean, he was a big man. And so we could we couldn't fit all of my father in one urn. So No kidding. No Usually kidding. there's not that much of a difference. Yeah, we had an urn and plus. So when my husband requested ashes before his vacation so that he could go take daddy on a trip with him when he went out west, he went to, you know, Joshua Tree and stuff and he took my dad and he spread them all over the place. That's so great. And I was <laughs> like, I'm you know, I'm really... So, your anecdote made me think of that. Like, we couldn't fit my daddy in one urn. So, we had ashes to spare. <laughs> That's crazy. That's awesome. And also, I guess it's not that surprising. Because the ash is mostly bone. Yeah. Like, everything else just sort of incinerates. So, and he had large bones. So, it stands to reason that... <laughs> and, th- and thankfully, my siblings and everybody were totally on board with that. I mean, if they yeah, would have right. been like, no, you know, we don't want to spare dad's ashes or whatever... Jason would have respected that, but there was no problem. They were like, yeah, sure. I mean, the old man didn't like to leave the river that much, but there are things that he would have wanted to see if he could have. So, yeah, yeah, take him on a trip. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm so glad he did that. So that brings us to what? Slovenia. Yes. So, traditionally, they will lay the deceased in a room next to or in the cemetery, and the family of the deceased kind of takes turns sitting with the deceased at all points to ensure that someone is present from the laying out until the funeral. So that's similar to yours. Mm -hmm. People can come by there and say goodbye and offer their condolences and visitors can pay final tribute 
by blessing the deceased with an olive twig held in a small plate of salt or blessed water. Interesting. The amount of stuff that I found on Slovenia was very low. I could hardly find anything. The only other thing I found remarkable wasn't necessarily that they celebrated the Day of the Dead, because we found that on every country Mm. pretty much. But there was an article attached to the commonality of how you purchase the candles because it's such a because in Europe everybody's decorating it kind of similarly with the candles which are a plastic holder and like the same kind of stuff so you can buy those candles at gas stations and you can buy the candles I mean they're everywhere Mm -hmm. grocery stores right because you gotta like stop on the way to the funeral to grab well it's funny it said that some cemeteries have vending machines that just have those candles in them that's brilliant yeah so these candles are a big thing but then after the Day of the Dead passes, they've got tons of just wasted candles or that like empty containers. Yeah. So this article was talking about the push for kind of like a modernized idea of this, which they were hoping would take on, where people have started getting flat river big rocks and painting candles and comfort sayings on it and leaving those there instead of actual candles. I mean, that'll be nice until it starts affecting... The creeks that they're getting those rocks from. <laughs> That's true. We, we can't stop this. So yeah, back to the funeral though. Locals will gather at the cemetery in total silence and after the priest performs a mass, they will all gather together and have a small meal and that's pretty much all I have. That's not a lot. They probably just share all the same customs as the countries around them. Right. Like all the, the folk traditions are probably very similar. And that's it. Join us in two weeks when we will be <laughs> discussing part two of this voluminous subject. We were not prepared <laughs> for Eastern Europe. They kind of kicked our butts. So all art and editing is done by Zaria. Research was done by Zaria and Sana. Dessert was provided by mostly Zaria. Like, I barely did anything. I cut some apples. <laughs> she she pulled out the recipe and nailed it, man. It was, it was delicious. Theme song by oh. Kevin Cloud. Yes, thank you. And be on the lookout for Patreon because... Things are happening. Things are happening. We're, we're getting stuff done. We've recorded some bonus episodes and we got our buttons and i'm just waiting on the quote from the t-shirt people hopefully um i'm just gonna throw it out there maybe next week we'll have it up that'd be nice (laughs) i think we could do it we can do it we 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 got this if you guys don't mind you want to send us some ghost stories i want to do another listener episode and we just talked about our ghost stories or lack thereof. So do you guys want to sit by the fire, quote unquote, and let us tell your ghost stories? That'd be rad. So send us some ghost stories, email, direct message. Do people even say that? It's DM. DM it to us. (laughs) Or, you know, whatever, whatever. You'll find us. We want your ghost stories. Get on it. Yeah. As always, you can find us at Instagram at Death and Desserts Podcast, Twitter at Death underscore Desserts, TikTok at Death and Desserts and on Facebook at Death and Desserts Podcast. All of our links, including our website, are available in our Instagram bio. And remember, life is short. Have dessert.